0: Hey, it's Karen Hunter from The Karen Hunter Show on SiriusXM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. And it's Ujima, which is Collective Work and Responsibility, and I think this practice is definitely part of the mission. Uh, Senior Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer at Moms Rising. MomsRising.org. Let me welcome the great Monifa Bandele. Hello.
1: Hello. <laughs> hey hey thank you for having me thanks for coming thanks for coming through now is it bandele or bandele bandele you sound okay. you you hit the nail on the head first okay. time <laughs> thank you yes where where uh where are your people's from so both my father-in-law and my father took on african names when they were young black radicals in the 60s and 70s so both My husband and I have the last names, Bandele, and I have Akinwole, my maiden name. So whenever we run into Nigerians, they're like, You are people. I'm like, Yeah, we're your people, but you know, because we took it out of a book, our dads did. Listen, (laughs) we 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 both from Brooklyn. Come on, Brooklyn, you
0: know, (laughs) we're connected. And even those names, you know, even though, you know, a lot of uh, West Africans in, in particular can, their names, talk to their lineage, you know, we had a 400 year interruption, so we're going to reconnect and make the reclamation. Yes, Yes, (laughs) we have to. So talk to us about moms rising and how you started it and why?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, this, we are 15 years now in the making group of women, moms came together from across the country to say, you know what? It is on us to advance the policies that we need as mothers, right? We know what we're experiencing when we're looking for childcare, because at that time, you know, people were shocked like, oh, wait, childcare costs more than college in some states. We got to fix that. You know, the maternal mortality crisis that everyone's talking about. We knew about that then we've got to lift up these stories and push it into the mainstream and on and on and on. And we kind of knew that the challenges that individual moms were facing wasn't because we were all losers or we had like, you know, a collective uh, sense of just personal failings. There were systemic issues in place for moms. And there was no reason why here in the United States, we can have some of the same policies that we see in other developed countries. Um, so we've been fighting, you know, we helped to win Obamacare. We bring the stories of moms and their kids everywhere to Capitol Hill, to state houses. And this year we got really close to universal mm-hmm. child care, which was a part of Build Back Better, just fell by one vote. Um, but we won a whole bunch of other things and we turn out voters. And you know mm-hmm. that Black moms turned out in record numbers. I hope everybody listening knows that about today's Ujima, that we... Um, saw it, our collective work and responsibility uh, to protect democracy this year, and, and we did that.
2: What do you think? Uh, uh, this is this is Renee Monifa. Do what do you think that lawmakers are not getting still at this late date, the end of twenty twenty two? What are they not
1: getting? You know, I heard an advocate said sometimes the people closest to the problem are the closest to the solutions. And so you have people that are creating the solutions that are a gazillion billion miles away from the problem. Mm-hmm. And you know, we have been working tirelessly to put in office people who have these experiences, who understand what it's like to be black moms, to be brown moms. We have a Mamas Com-Poder, um website that is in conjunction with Moms Rising. And so you start to see like, you know, one of my favorite representatives, Cori Bush, right? You see Black women and Black moms come in and they say, no, wait, that actually doesn't work. And no one in this room really knows how these things work. So let me share my story. Let me tell you why we need access to abortion care and how that helps maternal health outcomes because I've had one, Mm -hmm. right? But when you have people in the room so disconnected from that, they're creating solutions that don't work for us. And then let's just name it white supremacy and patriarchy uh, will always seek to protect itself, right? If we're not there to disrupt it. Um, And and that's what's really been the problem.
2: So how do you break down those barriers though? How do you get into the rooms where people are and where the decision makers are and get that seat at the table?
1: Absolutely. So we work on two tracks. One, we're always organizing, sharing our stories. You know, we create so many storybooks. If people go to our momsrising.org website, you'll see stories about abortion access. You'll see stories about maternal health care because black women are really suffering and dying in this country, just giving birth. We've created a whole book and we make sure we get stories from all 50 states. We do huge crowdsourcing. And then we go to lawmakers and they say, well, I don't know if this is an issue. you like, here's a hundred stories from your district. Mm. This is happening in your backyard, right? So we bring the evidence but at the same time, we have a whole civic engagement component going on where we're actually like, well, if you're not doing right by our issues, we'll put somebody in place that will do right by our issues, Okay. right? <laughs> so you got to stay civically engaged because it's one thing to get them in office, but then there's accountability piece that you have to kind of stay in there. So that's how we're constantly pushing at Moms Rising. You know, we learned this from from our mothers and from so many of our foremothers that laid the groundwork here. Eight six six eight zero one eight two
0: five five is the number. Renee Siler is here, and of course, uh, Monifa Bandele. Uh, MomsRising dot org is the organization. the The tax credit uh, was a big push. Yes. That where are we? Is
1: it where? What's going to be happening with that moving into the new year? So what just happened recently is that the child tax credit did not make it into the end of year omnibus uh, that has been heavily debated uh, since the month began. But we're going to keep. Before fighting. you do that, tell people what that would have done for for households. Yeah. The, oh yes, absolutely. So the child tax credit provided relief to moms and dads and families all over the country, right? Because you would get a basically like a tax return, right? on the expenses per child you have, because we know how expensive it is to have children. So depending on how many children you had, when the pandemic hit, we were really able to push this through and say, we need relief um, for moms and families per child. And it went on through the pandemic, but it, it was going to expire. And so we had to renew the child tax credit this year. And that's been a big fight all year to make it permanent, You know, to renew it and to make it permanent. Because one, we know, there's still a pandemic. Right. And the biggest job losses that have been suffered have been women and particularly women who don't have access to the child care we were fighting for. Right. Um, and so this child tax credit was an important way to, to have relief for everyday people who are working. And I want to name that that's happening. And we were asking for this in the context where big corporations were already getting tax relief right? They're getting correct tax credits and tax breaks here and there. And what we were saying is that for everyday moms, let's give a child tax credit because we're doing the invisible labor of raising the families of America.
2: The, the maternal um, mortality rate yes. among us, Black women, Brown women, where, why hasn't that gotten better? Why are we still talking about this? What Where is the missing kind of link here?
1: I had to take a deep breath (laughs) because our biggest fight is that seems like anything that happens to black women, black women are blamed for the circumstances that we're in, right? And so when we go to educate people about what's happening, this uh, maternal health crisis you know, the first response is like, oh, well, you know, what are the behaviors of these black women who are dying? What are they eating? How much do they weigh? Drinking, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And you have to fight through all of the implicit, explicit biases. You have to fight through through all the white supremacy, all the patriarchy to get to the data that shows that regardless of lifestyle, income, education, health status, Black women are still dying up to three times more than white women just giving birth, you know. But well, because we collect stories, we were able to put faces uh, to this data. You know, it was a few years ago when Serena Williams told her story, and here's one of the most wealthy uh, women, not just in the United States but in the world, right? And she practically had to drag somebody for filth in order to save her own life and to get a, a CT scan.
2: And she, we know healthy. that we are not
1: listened to. Yeah. Our pain is ignored. Yes. We are disregarded when we come into hospitals and that is deadly when you at the most vulnerable stage that you can be in as a mother.
0: Mm-hmm. How do, how do people who are listening? Cause I, I know it's mom's rising, um, mm-hmm. but everybody uh, has come through, uh, a woman. So, so there's a vested interest, I think uh, that's right. In continuing society. How do, how do you, you know, suggest people interact if they don't have children
1: uh absolutely if they're men when we go out we say anybody who has a mother or is a mother that's everybody right anybody with a belly button should get down with moms rising because like you said you have had that interaction it impacts you even if you don't have children how the woman next door the woman down the street is able to care for her family impacts the whole community right? And it impacts your quality of life as well. And so we really try to push that home. And we have a lot of active people who are aunties and dads, you know, and grandmas who show up um, and do the work, delivering our petitions, telling stories, meeting with members of Congress, because they know that the first unit of like health and safety in the community is the family. And if families aren't stable, communities can't be stable. We got to stop funneling money into mass incarceration and funneling money into a gazillion billion police officers on the ground, right? We need to funnel money into the families, into the households, to build that stability. And then that builds the health, that builds the safety of the larger community. And we see people are using that language now, right? Since 2020, this conversation is happening. It's like, what is the real unit of safety in our communities? And it's the family. Um, And I think more and more, you see Black women are leading that discussion. Derricka Purnell wrote a book called Becoming Abolitionists. You know, you have Mariam Kaba wrote uh, some recent books. And so we are also leading kind of like the intellectual uh, debate around what it's going to take to really realize what they talk about when they say democracy in the United States.
2: You you mentioned something um, a moment back when you said that, you're having to claw through all of this sort of patriarchy and white supremacy, you know, so that people understand that this Black woman who is in crisis in her health isn't necessarily responsible for it. Who are the people who are poo-pooing that? Who are you having to explain that to? Is that the insurance companies? Is that the hospital administrators, doctors? And how do we change that?
1: Yes, it's all of the above, and sadly, also voters and white people who are in similarly situated, uh, similar situations. You know, when we would these policies for Black women, it helps everybody. Everybody needs better child care and maternal health care. You know, and access to good paying jobs. But there was this whole narrative crafted, uh, you know, when we were younger under the Reagan administration, the welfare queen, you know, and using these code words and these dog whistles that are really euphemisms for black mothers, right? We've been criminalized and marginalized and dehumanized. So it's almost like we have to build up to the powers that be, but also you have states that people don't want Medicaid expansion. These are states where it's like mostly white people live there. A lot of white people live in Georgia and need Medicaid expansion. And four hospitals have closed in Georgia. And so they're suffering, but they're like, we don't want that. Because we don't want, you know, welfare queen. We want people getting stuff they don't deserve. So it's it's this kind of battle that is even on the basic level of with people who also need it too, Renee. That's the frustrating Mm -hmm. part. (laughs) Wow. Not just the wealthy that don't need it. We fight with people who need it too.
2: Yeah, voting against uh, their
0: own self-interest. Their own
1: self-interest. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We have have a couple of minutes left, um, Monifa Bandele. Do you, are you optimistic about, you know, we're heading into a new year, uh, closing this one out. Are you optimistic about
1: things that can get done in 2023? I'm extremely optimistic. You know, I I believe in women, I believe in black women, I believe in black people. And when our grandparents tell us we weren't even meant to survive, and then I look how we're leading the dialogue and the conversation on all the major issues that matter to human beings, then I'm very optimistic that we not only have, you know, the intelligence and the will, but more and more every year, we're getting the resources and the skills because we're building institutions that are going to win these things. And so when you look at now who, the people who are in office, you know, the makeup of, of Congress with the squad, with the Ayanna Pressley's and Corey Bush's, you know, like we did that, you know, Lauren mm-hmm. Underwood. And so they are just getting in there. And now we got to build that power base to push them forward. And what I saw in Georgia last month, how more black people turned out for the runoff and in the general election, no other demographic did that. No other demographic in the state understood the assignment and understood the nece- the necessity to not only come out again, but let's bring everybody to just turned eighteen in the last four weeks. Mm, Black we, women did that, yeah. right? So I have so much courage. I mean, I have so much um, hope. I'm very encouraged by our power and our persistence.
2: Uh, quickly, um, what what can we do to help? What can people please, listen please to?
1: Please join Moms Rising. Go to momsrising.org. You will see a host of issues and you can share your story. And we use those stories. We reach back out to people say, can you talk to the news? Can you go on Karen Hunter's show? Can you go on <laughs> CNN and talk about this? Because stats and data and figures, that don't have a face or a name. We need Miss So-and-so to say, hey, I work hard and I should be able to find child care and it shouldn't cost more
0: than I'm paying in rent. Amen. So tell your story. Yes. Join Moms Rising. Monifa Bandele, MomsRising.org. Love you. Thank you. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on SiriusXM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the SiriusXM app.